Hey guys, welcome to another podcast. This is Kelly Higdon with Zinni Me, and today I'm joined with Joe Sanok from Practice of the Practice. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Yeah, it has been. We talk all the time, but not here. I know. I think um, in the beginning, there goes my dog. In the beginning of our friendship, we were also working on Most Awesome Conference, and we were on each other's podcasts a lot more back then. Um, but we continue to support each other. And, and I, that's why I have you on the podcast today. We were going to talk about one of the things that you were saying about how proximity is power. And I wanted to talk about the power of community. You know, that's something I'm really passionate about. I'm going to kill my dog. <laughs> I'm going to start <laughs> over. Now I'll just edit it out. We were talking about the importance of community and I wanted you to just share about your experience and where this concept of how proximity is power comes from for you. Yeah. You know, when I really think about the things in my counseling career or my consulting career that have moved me forward fastest, it's usually other people, uh, you know, whether that's meeting new people, getting new ideas from people, building trusting relationships and friendships with people. And to have those friendships actually be friendships, not just I want to be friends with someone because they can serve me, but that it becomes actually like a mutual thing. Uh, and so I even think back, so I went to this thing, it's called the Front Row Dads. And so it's for dads that are have businesses and they want to be kind of dads first and business people second. And so their tagline is, uh, we're family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. And I was looking around the room at these guys and they have kind of a rule of no business talk at the, at the conference. And so there's 30 or so of us that were there and I'm looking at who's there. And there's people like Hal Elrod who wrote the miracle morning and other people that are these huge authors, but we're talking about being dads. We're talking about being husbands and we're not allowed to like network to try to get on each other's podcasts. And just by having that relationship with these people to be able to then reach out to them, not to better my career, but just because like we can collaborate on things is a lot easier because you know, we had that authentic beginning in our, in our discussions. And so you know, I've seen that you know, whether it's with you or other people that you know, as we create these connections with people, uh, it's more fun to you know, put things on with a friend. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when I didn't know if Slowdown School was even going like, to do well, it was like, hey, Kelly, do you want to help with this? I don't know how much money is going to come in. And, you know, the first year, like it took forever to even sell like one ticket. And then it's like to do something with a friend and then to be like, hey, that was a shared experience. Like, how do I support you? And to me, it just makes it more fun, but it also then helps you to grow faster when you're around the right people. Why do you think the therapist community needs that? Because I feel like uh, the landscape of community amongst therapists has shifted over almost the 10 years that I've been um, consulting, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things out there to try to attempt to connect people, but I don't know that it's actually authentic relationships. So uh, you have your typical Facebook group uh, that's helping from some angle of private practice. I'm glad those resources are out there, but it'll be that someone says, what do you think about psychology today? And then some people say, I love it. I hate it. I was in it. I didn't join it. And, and the depth of kind of 
offline connections just doesn't usually happen. Uh, but like when I look at Next Level Practice, which is our membership community, um, we just actually right before this call, we had this thing called What's Working. Um, we'll have anywhere from, you know, 10 to 30 people that come to this. And so we come on Zoom, we have a topic we're discussing, and then we'll break people up into small groups of three or four to talk. And so, and then I'll pop between like the different kind of rooms of people talking. And to see what happens when those three or four people are kind of alone in a room virtually and they share their fears, they share their worries, they say, oh my gosh, like I am not working on my website either and I feel really bad about that. It's like it normalizes things for people to know that what they're doing isn't, you know, just kind of isolated. But then they also are inspired by each other to actually take action. And so I feel like right now there's so much opportunity for connection online that most people end up feeling alone rather than saying, what's the handful of relationships in the therapy world that would help me as a solo practitioner or me as a group practice owner to get good information. Uh, And so to your question of why is this needed? I think about me in random Traverse city, Michigan, this small town in Northern Mm -hmm. Michigan is covered with snow like 11 months of the year. (laughs) (laughs) It literally just snowed a little bit ago and (laughs) We're over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so over it. And depending on when this goes live, you know, who knows, whatever. Um, it'll probably still be snowing in July. <laughs> so uh, it's like you know, if I was starting a group practice right now and I didn't have practice of the practice, I wouldn't want to learn from a lot of the local therapists. A lot of the local therapists have a really small mindset. They say we didn't go in it for the money. They don't push themselves to think differently. They say, you know, social media, like you should avoid it at all costs. Like, you know, don't put advice out you know, on your website because, you know, that's a liability because what if they take that advice and then, you know, commit suicide? It's like, it's so fear-based. And if that was all I knew in regards to my community, I would think that that's just how the counseling world is. But when you actually reach out to a broader community, it allows you to then say, wait a second, like, I call BS on that way of thinking in the same way that if we always just listen to our parents and never like go off to college or push ourselves to meet new people, we'll think that's how the rest of the world is, however functional or dysfunctional that is. But then when we start meeting other people that were raised way different than us, we're like, wait, I don't have to raise my family the same way my parents raised me, or I can just take the good from that. I think that's what happens when people find that genuine community that can support them with their practice. I would also say that, it's why in boot camp we encourage people to move beyond, you know, the chat room and into having a battle buddy. And then people end up finding support groups and they get together in person and then they do retreats and then they start collaborating. I think there is this idea of this mutually um, equitable kind of relationship I think is really important. Um, And it's something you don't get with just a consultant having a peer group is valuable. I'm in a mastermind as well. We all run different kinds of um, businesses online, but um, we are all kind of wanting the same things in life and out of our businesses. And so we push each other and we get to know each other on a personal level and on a business level. Kind of like what you're saying with Front Row Dads, that aspect of we're here to be better people overall, like better in our relationships And through that, we get better at our business too. And I think that sometimes in in the past, I've heard a lot of like therapists, and I don't think it's just the therapist community. I think any kind of industry probably has this, but because that's what we're involved in, people get really into this fear of competition. Yeah. 
And I think some of that comes, or I think that comes from our shame and our fear of vulnerability, because the fact of the matter is like what you're saying is that when people are honest and do share what's going on, they find they're not alone. But their big fear is that they're going to discover that they're a failure and that they're an imposter. And that's what I love about in-person stuff. And as much as I love being online and not having an office, something about in-person just makes it, it's just sweeter. And that's what I discovered when we did Most Awesome Conference. That's the first time I ever had done anything like that. And for those that don't know what that is, we did this conference in La Jolla that was in person and it was three days with food trucks and massages and training and coaching. And it was a lot of fun, but I discovered like a gift or a desire of my own to be with people in a physical space because it, it, it does feel more connecting for me, I think. Um, yeah, and I think you also get those moments that you could never plan or experience online. Like I think yes. about at Slowdown School when, you know, Jeremy Sharp, John Clark, and I were staying up late and we just randomly started doing like improv games like, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the night. And it's like, like that would never, like if I didn't know them and was like, hey, let's do a Zoom call where we do improv. <laughs> And I didn't, it'd be like, what are you talking about? That's so weird. But it's like, we have this, like, this connection now that goes beyond just yes. like that they were, you know, kind of at my conference. And yes. it, it, things can shift a lot faster when you have those types of experiences. Um, and, and I think like Mac, most awesome conference was, was one of the first times I think I experienced that as a consultant. I had experienced it in other, say, retreat settings or going on, you know, trips with people. But to, to see it in that professional world, that it's like, I can like have those roles blur unlike, I mean, when you're a counselor and a, you know, you know therapy yeah. client, you're not going to do that. But mm-hmm. you know, now I can have connections with people that I'm working with and we can collaborate in a different way. That's just, you don't get a lot in the therapy space. And I mean, since most awesome conference, you mentioned you've done slow down school and I was there for that first year and now you're adding killing at camp. So yeah. this is like your third Right? Correct? You're like you're well, well no, you've had a few other. practice also. Yes. Yeah. Talk so what has been like the evolution of these things and how have they kind of come to be in terms of your desire to develop that kind of community and intimacy amongst um therapists? For me, I think it starts with like I know that we need more training but that could happen online. And so like, why, why actually fly somewhere to be in person? So then there has to be something more than just the training and people are constantly going and getting training and they'll go to a national conference and say, I went to 12 breakout sessions and like two of them are good. And of those two, I had four takeaways. Like I'm just sick of boring conferences, which is I think what we started with, with most awesome conferences. How do we make this so actionable and, uh, and so much fun that people say like, that's the best conference I've ever been to. And so for me, when, when it has focus and fun, it's just so, it's what I feel like that's what we need. We need to have those, those connections with people. So I think one thing that I've learned is that to figure out who the main kind of audience is for a conference, like who's in and who's out, even if people are maybe, you know, choose to come still, like you've really actually helped me with this of like, who should come to slow down school, who should come to killing it camp, you know, who should come to different things and why, like, what are they going to get out of it? Um, to make it actually worth that time away from your practice. So how is killing it camp different? 
Yeah, I think the big difference is that uh, we're trying to have it be for people that are really starting and growing a practice. So around that 100K and below. Now there's going to be benefits for people that have mega group practices, I'm sure. But really it's aimed at people that are just starting and growing a practice. And uh, we have 15 different speakers that I've either worked with in consulting relationships or got to know through podcast interviews. That it's just awesome to be able to bring them together. Uh, the, the concept I started with was that I wanted it to feel sort of like a like shared collaborative experience. And so one thing I decided early on was that I, I wanted to kind of have the risk be spread out amongst and have buy-in from everybody. So even our speakers are paying to come, which, you know, maybe in future years, we'll bring in kind of big keynotes and things like that. Uh, but for the, everyone kind of says, no, we're coming here uh, as a way to create something together, almost in the same way that, you know, a burning man experience, people are coming not to just take, but they're coming to participate. Uh, and so I think by having everyone pay to come, uh, by having our costs be, you know, just barely above what it actually costs us to put it on, um, we're then saying, let's create something together so that we can actually have people feel unified within the private practice space. Mm-hmm. I think there was, what did you just say? It was something about like, we're coming in, we're, we're, it's a collective sharing. And I think that that is important in our community that when you are in a relationship amongst your peers, whether that be in a mastermind format, a conference format, um, just like a small group that you guys, I don't know, do consultation with, there needs to be reciprocity for it to feel good. I've always found that because if there isn't, then there's resentment and it feels like someone is always taking and then the person that's always giving doesn't feel great about that in those kind of group scenarios. So when people come and say, I probably have something to offer here too, I'm going to learn and I'm going to give what I know. That always is a more rich experience to me than someone who's like, I'm just going to come to a conference and sit. I'm going to soak it up and leave. I feel like we learn in our own expression of experience and sharing. Or I'm a speaker that just shows up for my breakout session and then I leave. Yeah, it's no. Versus someone that comes in on Sunday and hangs out all the way till Wednesday. Like they're committed even just with their time by coming. Um, and how does it feel when you have someone that's speaking and you're like, wow, I learned so much from that person. And then you go to another session and they're sitting right next to you and they're learning also. I mean, mm-hmm. that idea of us learning together and that it's like, you know, I want to hear these people speak. You know, I'm not going to be just like off running the conference. Like I want to like get something from this also. And so the idea that we can create something, uh, we can have a general framework of what's going to happen. But then, you know, similar to slowdown school, usually the best conversations are the things that really stand out. If you put the right people in the room together, like that's where the most content will come out in those conversations over, you know, lunch and dinner and breakfast and, you know, going for a hike while also going to the breakout sessions on the edge of the Rocky Mountains. Convos over keynotes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that that's where also those relationships are formed. Uh, and when people kind of take the time to go deeper with people, uh, whether it's over lunch or as they're walking you know, back to the, the place where we're staying, they can then have a lifelong relationship of support. And how great to have someone that's at your same phase of practice that can walk alongside you, uh, that neither of you are paying each other. It's just, hey, you know, Kelly, I have a question about, you know, how I should sell more killing at camp tickets. Or, you know, Joe, we're doing this with boot camp. What do you think? Uh, to be able to have that kind of relationship, like we need that kind of support in addition to kind of the formal coaching that we have. 
well, I think it's something you and I give each other. Um, and people are often surprised by that. I actually probably take way more than I give, but you know, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but I think that has been an important part of our friendship. I feel like our friendship has evolved beyond just like business because we, our families hang out together, our kids play together and things like that. But Greg's soon going to be my bookkeeper. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I think that there is something about no having someone who gets it, you know? Um, I mean, I can talk to other consultants who consult with other kinds of industries, but it's really cool to have someone who really gets this industry, who knows the same um, struggles and those kinds of things and um, can compare, you know, Miranda and I, we do consultation every couple weeks where we go over our coaching clients because it just helps to have someone say like, Oh, have you tried this? What about this? I just saw this tool that I've been using with my client. That's really helped with the group practice numbers or, you know, to collaborate makes us better. I think as consultants and just as people um, and nobody wants to do this alone. Let's be honest. (laughs) You know, just last night I was speaking at a grad school class and I had to work past my normal time and was like, Oh, this is what that used to feel like. (laughs) But um, one of the people in the class asked, like, do you think that in Northern Michigan in such a small town with like so many graduate school programs up here that there are jobs for us? Um, and, and I answered it with, um, you know, if you're just going to get kind of your traditional, like nonprofit, I want someone to hand me a job, then yeah, it's going to be pretty tough. You know, you're going to be stuck in a low paying job with not a whole lot of upward mobility. And we'd been talking about podcasting and all sorts of things beyond it. And, and I said that, and this is an analogy I've used quite a bit that, you know, if I 10 years ago had said, you know, how much room is there for a sushi restaurant in Traverse city? Um, you know, there was only sushi that was like on this, like, you know, Panda North, like sushi bar that sat there all day. And not, like, I'd be like, no, like there's no room for sushi in this community. Nobody will eat it. Um, but now there's like, you know, four sushi restaurants and our grocery store has fresh sushi. And I mean, that's like everywhere that's happened um, because people learned how delicious sushi is. And so then the question I think when people feel like they have that limiting mindset is, are there enough hurting people in the world to give counselors jobs. And it's like, there are so many people out there that need help that aren't getting it. And so to me, that's more of a messaging problem and being able to get out there uh, when we feel that limiting mindset of collaboration. Like, you know, if someone says, Kelly and Joe, why, why do you guys, you know, collaborate when you're kind of comp- you know, competition to each other? It's like, well, there's so many counselors that need help with their business that if we got the message out that you could use help, um, like we're going to be more than enough busy and there's so much work out there. And I think it's just important for people to say, like, just collaborate with people. That's going to help you be better and you're going to be able to help more people. So what are, you know, what are some of the transformative parts that you are hoping people walk away with from killing it camp? if they're in that 100K or lower range? Yeah, so our goal for Killing It Camp is that uh, 
by Wednesday, so it's Sunday through Wednesday, that they'll have a very clear plan as to what they need to do over the next six months. Uh, and that they'll have taken action during Killing It Camp. So at the very beginning, we're going to help them focus in on what's the best use of your time while you're here. They're going to have lots of options of things they could do, but they really have to kind of zoom in to what's going to be the transformative thing for their practice. So helping them walk through a process of that. Uh, and then we're going to go through uh, an exercise where we take people um, and allow them to say, you know, here's what I really want to ask of the community and here's what I want to give to the community so that we can very quickly see like where are the skills here um, so that we can create those relationships quickly. Uh, so for example, someone might say, you know, I've really been digging into SEO uh, and I'd love to talk with people about that. I can give that to the community. Uh, I want to ask how an introvert is able to network more. And so then quickly people can make those connections in a facilitated way. And then we're going to have ways that people can take action. All of our speakers, we're training them to not only give content, but to actually have action happen within their session. And so if someone's talking about SEO, uh, to have people pull out their computers and update meta descriptions. If someone's talking about speaking, uh, to get people to talk to one another and do kind of a quick pitch on what their speech would be. Uh, if someone's talking about starting a Facebook challenge to engage more clients possibly into their practice, like, like to actually pull out your Facebook page and schedule that out as to when you're going to do it. Uh, and so we have Brighter Vision, uh, who's going to be doing a Brighter Vision website lab. Uh, for anyone that has a website, they're going to support you, whether or not you're a Brighter Vision client. Uh, so people can actually get things done on their website. And then Practicat's going to be there and helping give kind of resources as well. Uh, and we're going to have a roller skating party <gasps> with, a, with a 1980s theme. So uh, that's my jam. <laughs> it's it's going to be awesome. So, so we want it to be a great mixture of kind of fun um, time to connect with other people that own practices, but then really active learning. I think if I reflect back on any conference I've attended, the ones where I walked away with concrete, like th do this, this is a format. Here's a tool. Here's, you know, a skill that I've acquired. Those have been the most memorable for me. And then the other ones have been where I have built community from them, you know, and I think our experience from my, my time at Slowdown School or doing Mac, that when you play, it opens up your heart and your mind to possibilities. We are more able to find solutions than when we were under pressure and that when we feel stress. So giving yourself space to make some hard decisions, to challenge some of the myths that you've been carrying around is a good thing. And, and people are like, well, I don't want to like go away for that. But sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need to separate ourselves physically from a space that our brains interpret of like, okay, this is where we work. You know what I mean? And if we change it, it can kind of throw our brain off. It, there's a neurobiological response to that of working in a different way will open up new possibilities and solutions, I think. Yeah. And when you really look at like a conference like Killing It Camp, I mean, it's like four days of your year. So, you know, it's 1% of your year to be able to 100% know what you need to do. And, and it's easy to kind of put your nose to the grindstone and feel like putting in the hours is what matters versus saying, am I spending my time in the right area? And you, you talked about that yesterday in next level practice when you came in as an expert, how we have these mindsets that we just have to keep working harder and harder and don't really step back and say, well, let me design the life that I actually want to live. And so, uh, 
we, we expect that when people are in that right environment around the right people, they're going to have very clear right actions to do next. Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to find out more about Killing and Camp, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to killinitcamp.com. You can spell that with a G for killing or kill in is how we've been calling it. Uh, so so killinitcamp.com, uh, both of them will take you to the website. We've got videos, testimonials, our list of all the speakers and uh, you know a chance to sign up there. Thanks for being on today. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really excited appreciate this. for your next evolution of how you're going to do a live event with clinicians. I think it's cool. and. Um, I'm excited to watch it unfold and, you know, I, I hope that other people find friendships and support like we have in each other and it's been so valuable and I'm a better person for it and I'm glad to be able to share you with our community too and you guys should check it out and go roller skating (laughs) it's so it's so fun to dream about what it could be the place that we're putting this on uh they can sleep up to four thousand people so thinking about like what if this became like the private practice event of the year uh where there was all sorts of communities within the community that it's not mine it's ours and so who knows where it'll go you know we'll, we'll give it our best shot and see how it goes sounds good all right you guys check out killing it camp and we'll see you next time